Hello everyone and welcome to Malaria, Poverty and Politics. My name is Silas Majambere and I am very grateful that you have chosen to join me on this episode. Today I have the opportunity to chat with Sherwin Charles. Sherwin is a co-founder and the chief executive officer of Goodbye Malaria an African initiative to eliminate malaria in Southern Africa. Sherwin is the chair of Global Citizen Africa, as well as serving on the board of the Global Fund to Fight AIDS, Malaria and Tuberculosis, the IVCC, and the RBM Partnership to End Malaria. Sherwin spent his initial career in the financial and banking industry in both South Africa and Nigeria. Sherwin joined the Nando's Group in 2006, initially in finance and later establishing and building Goodbye Malaria. In 2015, Sherwin decided to dedicate his time fully to Goodbye Malaria as CEO. Through his work, Nando's became one of the first African corporations to donate to the Global Fund. In this episode, we discuss his journey into the fight against malaria, the role of the private sector in the financing of malaria elimination, and the current reliance on commodities, and the community ownership of the fight against malaria. We end our conversation discussing Goodbye Malaria and the great work this organization is doing in Mozambique, South Africa, and Eswatini. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome. Sherwin Charles, uh, welcome to Malaria, Poverty and Politics. I'm very happy that you accepted to chat with me. Uh, how are you today? I'm, I'm good, thank you. So Sherwin, um, I was very privileged to get to know you. I think the first time we, we actually had a chat was when we met in the US um, at the STMH uh, meeting. And I have to say, I was I was very pleased that I came to you. You you were chatting with someone. I I reached out, and then you welcomed me with a smile. You reached out in your pocket. You got your business card, and you gave me your business card. Um, I had been debating whether I should approach you, whether this was appropriate. <laughs> or not. So um, it does show what type of person you are, and, and I'm I'm very grateful that you that humble and, and approachable. Um, so, but mo- many people who are listening to this podcast don't know you. Um, I'm, I'm sure many other people know you, but for those who don't know you, um, who are you as a as a person? I I, I think um, um, I was excited to meet you uh, at uh, ASTMH. Um, I think as a person. Um, I I really believe that I live um, an amazing an amazing life that I have an opportunity um, from a from a, a professional perspective to do something that is noble um, that really makes a difference in the lives of um, those affected by malaria in 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 
in the communities that suffer from this dreaded disease. And so from a, from a personal perspective, you know, I, I, I try to be as open and, and uh, welcoming as I can be to South African nature. Um, I'm a crazy sports fan um, and, and very much a family person. So, you know, for me, family is important. Uh, it's a value we carry through in, into the professional world. Um, and, and I think that um, I, I feel that as an individual, I'm blessed to have people around me that truly believe um, a legacy is about the good that you've done that it's not about wealth and material and material things. Um, and, and I think that um, as I progressed uh, over the career, I'm, I'm truly grateful that I find myself doing what I do today. So I think that, uh, and I hope it comes through, that, that um, a lot of what I do is done with a great passion for it. And, and I think that's what um, makes a world of difference. Great. Well, uh, thanks very much. I think people who have talked to me about you do talk about a lot of passion uh, for, for what you do. And it's, it's really great to hear. Um, not many people can um, view life the way you're talking about, not so much about personal success and money and stuff like that, but more what you give out and what you the, the legacy that you leave behind you and, and it's it's quite heartwarming to hear that and i think that's a, a perfect uh, segue into your your life your prof professional life your career um today you are uh, the co-founder and ceo of goodbye goodbye malaria but that's not how you started your career you've um, uh, i was reading about your past and, and working in the banks and and then Nando's and can you tell us a little bit about your uh, I mean your career is long you we're not going to be able <laughs> to talk about all of that but um how you transitioned uh, from where you were and into goodbye malaria today um I think I, th I think an important thing is that um living in in an apartheid South Africa certainly um you know, provides the foundation for what happens in your life. And so the struggles that we went through during the apartheid era, um, being a young student, um, really defined where you wanted to be and, 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 and the pathway that you took. And so for us, um, and 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 particularly the Indian community in South Africa, education was absolutely critical. That we saw our way out of the circumstances we found ourselves in. It started with a good grounding and and having a good education. And and so you know it was really important at the time that you worked hard and and you qualified in any one of the professions. I think at the time I absolutely disappointed my mother by not wanting to become a doctor. Um, so working in malaria gives her some comfort that, that I'm fulfilling a, a wish of hers. 
Um, but but in our community, if you didn't become a doctor, you, your family felt you let them down. For me, my passion was numbers, and uh, I followed an accounting uh, an accounting profession. I, I became a qualified chartered accountant, and and of course. You didn't have a lot of opportunities in at, at that time, and you kind of started wherever you got a chance, mm-hmm. and and that took me into the world of banking, um, uh, and I I spent uh, what's it two thousand and six, so it's about twelve thirteen years um, in banking after after having done my articles um, at Ernst and Young. Um, and 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 really found it um, a a steep learning curve. You know, you you suddenly find yourself coming into a new South Africa, coming into a very liber- liberated country, except that in the work workplace, not much has changed. And so, you know, as you as you work in through democracy. You're working through an an, an evolving um, uh, workplace and and evolving cultures, and and I think that you know having a profession gives you a grounding, allowing you to apply your mind to to find solutions, and and I think that for me um, today and my outlook on life is I truly hope that I can be someone that provides solutions and not just tells you what the problems are. Everybody can tell you what the problem is, right? And so I I hope and, and I strive to be that person in the room that is looking for the solution. Um, and, and throughout my career uh, within the banking world, it, it's, it was really about building relationships and, and and building a network that 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 was critical. And and in building those relationships, um, it's important that one doesn't just take a transactional view to to those relationships. You know, life is life is you have one life and, and it's there to be enjoyed. Um, um, we like to we like to have fun in what we do, um, and so part of that is 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 meeting people, experiencing new cultures, um, and having the opportunity to to understand people's point of view, and and I think that a lot of a lot of our history is 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 in the dark days of apartheid. And, and so when you get these opportunities, you know, they, they, they're very fulfilling and rewarding. And so um, part of my banking career took me to spend um, um, two years in Nigeria. Um, so I lived in Abuja. Um, I got to see and understand the impact of malaria within the rural areas in, in Nigeria. I was there. Um, 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 running a um, um, pension fund administrator and asset management business, um, and and you know, as a South African moving into a country like Nigeria, 
It, it also is a very steep learning curve. It, it's really getting to, to, to understand the continent better, understand how different parts of the continent um, have different cultures, how they think and how they work. And, and I think that when I got back from my time in Nigeria, um, my family wanted to come back to South Africa. My kids were in school. Uh, it was very disruptive for them at the time. And so we came back to South Africa and I had the opportunity to um, bump into Robbie Brosen. Um, you know, he, he got to know that, that um, I was looking to see what to do next. Um, not really keen to go back into banking, um, but was blessed to to have an opportunity within Nando's. And, and what that allowed me to do was to come into a very different environment. I no longer wore a suit. Uh, it's jeans and sneakers. Um, and But I got to really learn how a purpose-driven business can, can make a difference. How a business embedded in, in its values um, and, and its culture and believing in creativity and design um, to build magnificence um, really inspired me and, and, and made a world of difference to the approach that, that one takes to life. And for me, um, coming into the Nando's world is truly a solutions-driven uh, environment. And I've been blessed uh, to work with Robbie Brosen, the founder of, of, of Nando's, one of the founders of Nando's. And, and his, his outlook on life is really, he will change the world. And, and, and instilled in us that it's the crazy ones that, that, that's going to make the difference. Um, ensure that we 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 understand it's the people that that make the difference. So if you look at it from a Nando's perspective, Nando's has a saying, and yeah, at our head office that says um, it's the people that make the chicken. Mm-hmm. It's the same wherever you go. It truly is about people, and so understanding that helps you helps you make a difference. We also we also um, had a saying that said, you know, within the Nando's world, um, have fun and make money, and and that sounds simple, and it sounds you know uh, um, something that's that's easy to achieve, not at all. Finding that balance is incredibly difficult, you know. When you when you're making lots of money, you're certainly not having fun. When you're having lots of fun, you know, making money, right? But the world yeah. today has changed. I think people on TikTok have shown that you can do both yeah. um, in in excess. Um, but so for us, it was really about uh, bringing that same mindset to the world of malaria. We saw the people within the malaria world and we thought, oh, my God, you're doing some of the most amazing work. How come we don't see, you know, bright bright shining eyes and smiling faces very, very often. And and so I think that part of what we want to do is inspire people also to have fun. Um, and, and a crazy story around that is 
um, at the MUM conference in Durban in 2013, we wanted to get involved and we decided, you know, we're going to have a party with beer and great Nando's chicken on the beach in Durban at the MUM conference. And so 2013 MUM conference is known for having this um, beachside party that, that we put together and was a great way to thank everybody um, for the work they're doing in in malaria and and with some of the ambassadors uh, within the world of malaria that make a difference. So Yvonne Chaka Chaka was performed for us um, and, and a lot of fun was had that evening. So that's how we thought we would come into this world, um, um, bringing an advocacy piece to it. Yeah. What we found as we, as we did more research and, and as we traveled, is that a big element within the world of malaria was the challenges of implementation. And so we felt that putting together a public-private partnership, um, really showing how the private sector could help with implementation on the ground would make a world of difference. And, and so for the last um, 10 years, that's what we've been doing as Goodbye Malaria, as setting it up really with an advocacy piece as well as a programmatic piece that, that is driving implementation on the ground. Hmm. Great. Yeah, I think you covered a lot of ground just uh, for, uh, for the record that was uh, in uh, Durban um, when Yvonne Chaka Chaka was there and, and when we had the meme, at the meme conference and that's that's basically where we um, we started talking and putting in in place the Pan African Mosquito Control Association. So it's a, a lot of um, um, good memories of that time. It was my first time in Durban. Uh, the beach party was amazing. Uh, the chicken was amazing, <laughs> and also and also we had uh, um, we had some um, take home bags that had "Goodbye Malaria" written on them. Pajamas, I think they were selling. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a really great party. So thanks for putting the fun uh, into the works. Um, so I'm I'm glad that you just finished your intervention talking about um, public private partnerships, and, and and that that was going to be my next um, my next question basically um, to debate. So finance financing in malaria. Um, as as you know, as we know, ninety five percent of the burden in, is of malaria is in Africa, but most of the money that is funding implementation is not coming from Africa. There's some money that comes from Africa, but most of it is donor money, aid money, um, global fund money, um, present malaria initiative money, uh, unit aid money, Gates money. Uh, so there's a lot of external money coming into it. And um, if if we look at how other countries have dealt with malaria, uh, most advanced countries today, which were not at the time they had malaria, but they have moved on. The West, uh, the US, Europe had malaria before they've moved out of that. What's your perception about the funding we have today? Because I think... Um, most of the strategies we have, uh, and I will get to the question on, on strategy after, but just in general, the way you see funding working in malaria, are we are we on the right path? Is there something that should 
be thought about differently. You you have been talking about um, innovation in funding or funding mechanisms. What was your take on the funding for malaria today? Um, I think your your title of your podcast kind of captures it, right? We we have malaria. We have its its presence in the most vulnerable of communities, and and part of what malaria does is keep people in poverty, mm-hmm. and and it's the politics that that is funding it, and and so I think that um, it's a very complex arena. Um, a few, a few months ago, we were having discussions of where we find ourselves today. And I, w- I was really despondent. Um, I felt that we were in a worse situation than, than what we were 15 years ago. That, that I felt that um, the hurdles and the challenges that we faced um, and the tools that I had at my disposal, um, I was worse off. And and the big a big part of it is that one of the challenges for us in the world of malaria going forward is that we find ourselves in a restrained content, uh, resource constrained environment. And what I mean is that there's a shortage of of cash, and and like you say, that cash is coming from just a few global pots, and and so how do we deal with that? I, I think that um, we need more sustainable solutions. We, we need to maybe rethink um, um, how global funding and aid works. Uh, I, I think we find ourselves in a very different world that you know we need new models. We, we, we need to find um, greater efficiencies, but the challenge we have is that we all don't speak the same language. We all we all believe that we're discussing the critical elements uh, in public health, but but I think that we we talk across each other, um, and 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 that not everybody is is on the same page. Um, our challenge is that. Um, um, the volatility in politics and the world right now puts the the funding for malaria at great risk, and and so the question is how how do we ensure more domestic resources are available for where the the burden of disease is, and and it's not easily answered, right? But but I think there's got to be a change in in mindset. So whilst the the money is coming from from the donor community. I think there's got to be more ownership and accountability from the continent, and and I think they go hand in hand. You you kind of want to have more ownership, but I'm trying to lessen the accountability many times. But it has to go hand in hand, and and so for me, I think that I've been blessed. Um, to see both sides of it, um, sitting as a as a board member of the Global Fund, I also sit on the strategy committee of the Global Fund, so I get a, 
a good insight of the of the discussions, deliberations, and strategy that happens within the within the global arena. And I think that um, we 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 need a we need a a different approach. So so for me, we we got to have ownership at a community level. And one of one of the most important elements for me within the global fund model is is that the ambition for community centric um, programs is there. The question is how do we get it implemented in in an effective and efficient way? Um, having civil society at the table, bringing them more into the conversation is so so important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, um, having gone through COVID and and the lessons learned from COVID, um, we, we we need a new urgency to come through within the malaria arena that that defines how how the money is used, how the money is raised, um, and and how ownership is placed with countries. Um, but not just with countries, because once again, I think if we talk about country ownership, a lot of people see that as government ownership. It should not be the case. It should be community ownership. So how do we how do we actually bring um, community ownership to bear as well? And 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 that and that takes a different mindset. These things it can't be business as usual. And so mm-hmm. in, in today's world. One of the things for us is it can't be business as usual. What what are we what are we going to do differently, given the cash constraints that are going to that that we're going to be faced with? I, I think there's no easy solution um, for the funding. I think the the risk is that there's so much more competition for all the funding that's available. And and so if I look at an element of of your title called politics and I love staying away from politics. I think yeah. that's the best thing I can do. I'm not I'm not a politician. I can only put my foot in my mouth um, and 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 create create um, uh, unforeseen challenges. But for me in 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 terms of the politics, um, it's 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 crazy that Politicians now see pandemic preparedness as a major risk and and that needs significant funding, right? Yet we're not dealing with the epidemics that that are killing people today in in vast numbers, okay? And so that really troubles me. I also see that within the world of politics, there's an urgency and 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 a quantum of finance that is placed to war. That 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 aid development and public health is not even close to those numbers that are easily put on the table with regard to war, and and that and and that really is is the challenge we faced with, and and so I think that the advocacy for me in malaria needs to needs to be taken up a few notches, that we need to become activists again because we're going to be faced with um, a likelihood that malaria cases and deaths increase 
in the coming years. Yeah, well, thank, thanks a lot. Uh, again, you, you're really covering uh, a lot of points that I, I'd like to develop more. I know we, we don't have um, much time for it, but I, I want to press on a little bit on the community ownership, the, the ownership part that you have just mentioned. And I will tell you, um, I started this podcast um, this year but it has been in the in the thinking for a few years and and this is really a result of frustration rather than anything else so it's a it's seeing things that are not working and not knowing what to do about them and then i said well let me just talk about them and then maybe um, people will join hands and then we try to find solutions together one of the and, the, and it's also in the name uh, malaria poverty and politics um Malaria is a disease of poverty. I think everyone agrees with that. But there's politics around it, politics in, in financing, uh, governments, uh, local governments in, in, in Africa, most of the time not putting in as much money as they should. Uh, as you say, uh, there's a lot of money going into war and less into education and health. Um, so there is a lot of things going on. But the, the part that um, I want to um, you to talk about a little bit is the um, the politics of funding and financing, particularly you sit on Global Fund Board and you know how those things work. Um, I have had a lot of issues discussing with the Global Fund. Uh, so this is not reporting them, it's just uh, uh, being open about the things that I see. I, I have worked uh, for the past 15 years in um, in prevention, malaria prevention in terms of mosquito control. So my my specialty is on mosquito control. And the, the part that I I um, struggle with, um, and this is not just Global Fund, it's most of aid money that um, comes from outside, is the fixation on, on, um, on commodities. Um, just buying nets or buying any other commodities and then feeling like we've done we've done our jobs in the meantime we know that this is a disease of poverty it's going to affect more the poor but the strategies are not really linked to poverty alleviation um and they are not even linked to things that are sustainable it's it's things that we do every every two years every three years depending on when money comes and then COVID basically taught us something. Money can freeze. Money that comes out from outside can freeze or can be diverted or can, can do other things. So um, I'm not asking you to speak as a board member of, of Global Fund, <laughs> but, but do, you, do you share um, that frustration or do you see something that I'm not seeing in terms of the focus on, on, on commodities and on things that, will last a year or two and then need another pumping into money and another pumping into money, uh, particularly because, and I, I'll, I'll stop there and let you uh, intervene. The, the reason I get even more frustrated is because we know how malaria control has been done elsewhere. We know uh, the, the strategies that um, the West taken uh, has taken against malaria. It's mainly based on environmental management, uh, draining the swamps, building better houses, access to healthcare, and those things are long term. They, I mean, if you if you have a good house, it's going to last you maybe a hundred years. 
Um, if it's screened and it's well ventilated, you've prevented malaria already, uh, rather than buying a net that lasts one to two years, and then you you get another one in three years and, and so on and forever. So, and the money comes from those countries that have tackled uh, malaria in that um, um, sense, in, in terms of environmental management, good housing, but we're not doing that. So do you see this disconnect? Do you do you see why this is happening? Um, why are we focusing more on commodities rather than long-term development? And, and I wish I could tell you there was a simple answer that, that I could give you to all of this. But, but let me say this. I'm a fan of the Global Fund. So, so, so um, um, I accept that it's not perfect, okay? Um, but I certainly am a fan. And the reason I'm a fan is that I'm not a doctor. I'm not an entomologist. I see things very much with a private sector lens on. And, and so for me, I look at it in terms of a funding institute, what it does, how it does it. I, I think a lot of things can, you know, can, can be improved. And that's said, you know, same for Nando, same for Goodbye Malaria, many, many things that we do, you know, uh, you've, you've got to have this mindset of continually improving and and so I think that we've made a lot of progress with, with uh, Peter Sands as, as leadership um, and and like I said I'm a fan. Um, the, the, the challenge that, that we faced with and, and here's my challenge to the malaria community. Um, I, I can have five malaria, malariologists in the room and I'll have 10 different pathways. And, and that's part of the, we, we are our own worst enemy sometimes, okay? And so what amazes me is whilst we, we spend a lot of money in research and, and, and trials and, and innovation and new tools, sometimes we're very slow to learn from history. And so one of the things you challenged with is that you know economic development is as much as uh, part of malaria eradication as is treating the disease and the public health issue, and and so I think that what people have done is look to where donors feel most comfort, okay, in a solution. And, and that says if I bought 100 million bed nets and we distributed 100 million bed nets, I can feel good that we did the right thing and, and you know, we're we good. The, the problem, though, is that, is that, one, is it sustainable? Two, is it the right solution? And three, how, how do we as a community and a country see the pathway to zero? Those those elements and issues are not clear. Sometimes the incentives are perverse. I'm giving you such a lot of money. Why would you bring have a massive impact and then I give you less money? Now, now when I said to you it can't be business as, as usual, these are the tough questions that we need to answer, right? How do we in the country ensure community ownership? 
that we're doing the right things that, that'll get us to zero. Sometimes we forget to ask the community, what is it that you need? Now, now it's very difficult when you're sitting in Geneva and, and you have so many layers that, that, that you've got to go through where local politics don't engage the community most often. So, so now how do you filter through all of that noise to get the right thing done? And, and, and so I must tell you that right now, those discussions around malaria uh, are being held, okay, to say actually, what is it that we need? What, what are the right indicators that, that we need to have in place that guide what we do tomorrow, okay? You've got to do malaria prevention. So vector control is critical. You can't ignore diagnostics and therapeutics. So you've got to have that in place, right? But if you don't have enough funding for just those essential items, then, then how do you do the next step? Or how do we how, how do we bring evidence to bear from countries making a difference that can show us the recipe to zero? And, and I think that's where we as a malaria community fail. We, we, we're not driving the conversations to say to the donors, hang on a second, here's actually what we do need. And, and part of that is because we're not winning internally in our own countries. And I think that sitting at the Global Fund, I see myself truly as an African sitting there, seeing the perspectives of what I see every day in the work that we do. And, and so the passion and the urgency for me is very different to a lot of other board members that we would have there. But, but our countries need to stand up who are sitting in those forums and saying, hey, guys, here's what we need. Here's, here's the elements that will make a difference. And I don't think we have the, the environments to have those dialogues with the donors. If you look at the Global Fund, when it's looking to raise its money, it puts an investment case together that goes out to the donors and says, okay, we're looking to deal with HIV, TB, and malaria. Here's the elements that we can deal with, and here's what we, what we will achieve, right? And, and over the years, it's really been commodity-driven. I think it's time that we start understanding what value of impact actually means. Um, I think nobody understands or has the same definition for value for money. But, but we need to sit and say to ourselves, what is it that we need that, that is going to get us over the line? What are the tools, the innovations that need to sit together and work together? And a simple example is you've got Gavi that does vaccines. You've got Global Fund that does everything. They should be talking to each other. Mm -hmm. you, you can't get the malaria vaccine out without having everything else in place. It's one conversation. And so I think we need to strengthen some of the bodies that we have, for example, RBM partnership uh, to end malaria. That, that needs to become uh, a core place of convening where these real conversations can be had. And let's not hide behind them, right? But, yeah. but sometimes for me to have those conversations, I got to become a lot more accountable. 
and and sometimes we shy away from that right yeah. in, in 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 the private sector i can't shy away from it because i will be out of business tomorrow yes. i have to stand up and face it right yeah. and and so i think having those conversations is important having who being efficient and effective and part of those conversations is critical they giving us the normative guidance on what we should be doing if the normative guidance is say you got to put bed net everywhere well what do you think countries are going to be guided to do and so i think that um, as a community before we we just tackle why why is pmi and 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 global fund just doing commodities we we got to have a plan and right now the plan has always been just have those commodities in countries so that so that you contain what the current challenge is but i think that that challenge that that containment is is at huge risk climate change is having a huge impact we we seen insect insecticide resistance we seen drug resistance we seen new species it cannot be that we stick in with the old plan yeah it 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 needs I think it needs us, in, and your your podcast is one of those platforms, right? That 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 creates the 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 thought processes to to create the conversation that's needed for the change to happen. I'm I'm heartwarmed about about that, and I'll tell you why. Um, so we, uh, me and a group of people, are are thinking about um, um, calling. A few, a few people, um, experts in their own fields, to rethink um, the things we're doing about malaria and how, on all fronts, uh, funding, prevention, treatment, everything. The reason, the reason we're thinking about this initiative is because, um, so you will recall the past or the history of malaria in Africa back in 1955 when the world sat down to think about malaria eradication globally, uh, Africa was not present and not represented. And then the conclusion was Africa is not ready. So from that moment, we've never had a chance where as Africans, we sit down and say, well, okay, let's look at the, the past, what has been done uh, with all the goodwill of the international community, the funding that has been given, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? How can we change course? How, how can we get away from um, a, the, the hookup on, on, on commodities that develop resistance and then we develop yet more and then we stay on the chain? Uh, how do we rethink? Um, so uh, I hope that will succeed. We're aiming to do this around uh, MIM next year, um, if we get funding to do that and, and to get all the people together. But the aim is even, um, how do you call that? It's, um, it's to show also uh, that we can sit down as Africans, we can think, we can develop strategies, and then we can get all the all the people, all the partners, or the global fans, and everyone else to come and discuss together. Because when you were talking about um, ownership, uh, community ownership, today the agenda for malaria control is really not defined at the, com at the community level. It's not uh, the community saying, this is what we need, um, then help us in this way. It's, it's much more the other way around. Uh, this goodwill from the international community, they 
give you the money and then they distribute the nets or, or any other commodities that they uh, feel good about and then the thing keeps going. So I hope... But, we'll but, but just on that, right? Mm -hmm. The Part of the problem is because we have the wrong indicators in place. Now, if the indicator is how many nets did I deliver to a country, that's a meaningless indicator, yeah. right? So, so part of what we need to do is to say to the donors, what, what are the indicators that make a difference, mm. right? If, if it's number of cases and number of deaths, reporting that information 18 months later, how does that help anybody? Mm. A malaria report is a year in, in arrears. How is that benefiting anybody to make, to, to make a, 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 a good decision, okay? Mm. So, so part of it is, is, is to do that. And, and part of my challenge, and I'm looking at it as, as a novice and an outsider, uh, um, everybody in the world of malaria talks their book. Okay, now I come from investment banking. And, and one of the things you learn early on in investments is everybody talks their book. If I have a position in gold, I want everybody else to believe that my position is right and to buy gold as well, yeah, right? Yeah. That's our problem in malaria. But being scientists or academia or, or, or activists, we sometimes don't understand that principle, okay? Mm. So I want to speak to academia and I want to say, you know, how do I get to zero? They have an interest in 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 drug resistance. Uh, yeah. You know, they're telling me I need new drugs. Yeah. The problem is we need to step outside of that. So if you want to set up a a a advisory council for the you know for the for the use of a better word, um, we need this think tank. Okay, to come in there, and we've got the experts on the continent, and we have those who can solve this problem. Okay, mm -hmm. they, they are bound. What we need to do is create a think tank when we're not talking our book, mm -hmm. where we're sitting down and saying, actually, this is the pathway that will do it. And, mm -hmm. and in that discussion is not just health people. Yeah. We, we, we need the economists in yes. there, and, and the finance people, and the minister of finance. We, we need to understand how do I elevate the position of the health minister talking about malaria in the eyes of the minister of finance, right? Yeah. These are, this is multi-sectoral. And it's so funny, I, I, I was with a good friend at dinner on Monday night um, um, and Robert used to head up GMP at a point in time. And one of the things he said to me, he showed when we developed a multi-sexual approach to malaria many, many years ago and we seem to have forgotten about it, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, the, it's the challenge you posed to me earlier on. Let's, let's take that approach. Let, let's bring the right people to the table, right? And and where I want to challenge you, it's not about funding. We need the funding to do this. This is important enough for us to do it anyway, mm. right? So yeah. so so mm. this is important to us right now that yeah. we have to do it. Okay. That we have to do it. Let's prove to people that we of our own steam, 
okay, are willing to invest to make the difference. And then everybody else will crowd in, okay? And it's how we started Goodbye Malaria. We put our own money on the table. Today, what we do in, in, in the Masaswa grant, it takes blood, sweat, and tears investment from our side, but our money is put on the table alongside everybody else. And the reason for that is when I have skin in the game, I've got something to lose. Mm -hmm. I, I, I will make a difference. And I think that for us coming to the donors with this proposal, let's show the donors that we have skin in the game. That I'm not coming because you funded me to come. That, that it's my skin in the game that allows me to sit at the table. And, and I think that's important right now. We've got to a point where it can't be business as usual and we've got to drive um, um, a, a new pathway. Can I list you on the think tank? Because I'm I'm drawing names. <laughs> <laughs> but but once again, I will say to you, it's important enough for us to do it. And and so these are things that should be taking priority. Thanks, thanks, Sherwin. This is amazing to hear that. So I think we're coming um, on top of the hour, and you've you've been very generous with your time. But I want you to talk a little bit about goodbye malaria. We haven't talked about goodbye malaria. Yeah. Um, so what, what can you tell people about how it came to be where you are now, 10 years later, where do you see you know, yourself, success, challenges, and things like that? You know, I think Goodbye Malaria came about that we wanted to drive elimination in Southern Africa. And and we understood that South Africa's position in that is, is very difficult given the burden of disease in the neighbors that are around the country. And it made a lot of sense that a cross-border initiative would add value. Um, that's where we started. Um, we started um, work in Mozambique in terms of um, an IRS program. Um, and and we, what we've seen is the positive impact on Eswatini and, and South Africa from, from going and dealing with the challenge at the source. But what it's shown us is that um, you can get countries to collaborate, you can get countries to work together, align their policies, and actually countries are looking for partnerships that add value. And, and, and so for us, Goodbye Malaria was really about African leadership standing up to be counted, not just how do we, how do we um, get another donation. And as I said to you, we, we put our own money alongside that of the Global Fund and, and that of the Gates Foundation. Uh, and there's a Global Fund grant that now drives the work. So Goodbye Malaria sits out, outside of the work that the grant does, but it's really trying to be an advocacy to bring more partners from the private sector to bear, to get more people engaged. Now, this is in a country where malaria, of course, is, is, is not a high priority. HIV and, and, and AIDS is much more of a challenge in the South African context. But if we, if we got rid of malaria in South Africa, which is generally on, on the tourist um, game farm areas in the country, it would make a world of difference to our economy. Mm. It would also help the GDPs of the communities that live in those tourist areas because they would benefit. If I could tell a tourist, 
uh, international tourists to say, come and visit the big five in South Africa. It's free. You're free of malaria. Mm. It would be a game changer. So as Goodbye Malaria, we want to increase the advocacy. One of the things we haven't done and, and, and we've been poor at is really telling our story. You know, the, the success has been unbelievable. There's areas now where there's subnational uh, elimination is possible. We felt that we want to tell our story once the job is done, and, and that was not a, a, a good decision um, because I think we can inspire so many more private sector companies to do more. We, we can showcase how um, um, building relationships um, has a positive outcome uh, how working together with governments is absolutely possible, how, how putting um, programs together where we each contribute our skills is, is seriously additive. And so, and so for us, um, it's something on the horizon. We, we want to tell our story. We, we want to inspire others to do this. There's some interesting partnerships that we've put together. And, and if you look at the goodbye malaria side of it, a lot of what we do, and there's retail and there's design, and you spoke about the pajamas, is really giving small business people the opportunity to benefit from malaria advocacy. And that's been critical. So nothing has ever just been one layer. It, it's always like an onion. As you peel it, you find more and more layers to it. Um, that's how we like building things, and those are things that are important to us. So... Um, yeah, it's uh, please visit our website www.goodbyemalaria.com. If ever you're traveling to Joburg, please support our our retail outlets at the airports. You'll find the carts there, or or do stuff with us on the website. We always keen to and open for new ideas and and, and opportunities. Please let us know. But I'm excited that we can be a catalyst to malaria elimination in Southern Africa. Mm, great. So um, I'll, I'll just ask you one. Uh, um, it's not a recommendation, but it's more um, what will you think about it? We, we've been, when I was working um, for the Pan-African Mosquito Control Association, we were trying to reach out to uh, businesses, rich people on the continent in Africa, people who are making good money uh, just to, to tell them, I mean, you, your, your capital, the main capital of any business is people, and sick people are not going to be good customers. Um, they're not going to be a good labor. They're not going to be good customers. So, in in a way, trying to open eyes for the business world that investing in malaria is actually a good investment. It's not you're not wasting money when you protect people. That's your main. That's your main capital. Um, so in a way, we we have always needed people like you who have worked in the private sector and saw the opportunity to work in malaria. Um, but we have very, 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 very few uh, compared to how many businesses we have in Africa. How how much money is being generated, and how many are actually involved in malaria control? Do you see any way of reaching out to them? I mean, they probably will listen to you. Um, yeah, because- I, I, and part of what we're trying to do is develop a, bu- a different business case 
from a from a global malaria standpoint, right? We always had this business case that said you get a t- thirty-two times, you know, benefit if you invest a dollar in malaria. But but we haven't really thought it through because one of the biggest challenges you face with, okay, what do we deal with in business is risk, okay? And so a lot of entrepreneurs are risk takers, okay? If I say to a risk taker, yes. Here's something that's going to cost you money as a prevention to, to, to the risk that you have. A lot of those risk takers won't take that up, okay? They'll say, I'd rather take the risk that instead of getting 10 out of 100 employees sick, I'll have only one out of 100 and my, and my impact's not that bad. That's how a risk taker thinks, right? A risk taker is not someone who, who's looking at the insurance policy or, or is looking at the prevention costs. They the they the bullish guys that are that are just heading for for what their ambition is, right? So so when when the conversation is about prevention, it becomes a lot more difficult to have that conversation. Okay, but we all care for the well being of our staff. Okay, we all care that kids must get a good education and kids' welfare is so important. Well, maybe that's the conversation we should be having with people rather than saying, yes, just a prevention tool. From Amanda's perspective, this was never done because we were looking to safeguard employees. We have no business in Mozambique. And and, and the people that we, we, we will make a difference to may never in their lifetime have Nando's for the chicken and chips. We know that, okay? But it's it's not all businesses will think like that. But how do I have a, a discussion with the leader that says if your company is 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 got a set of values and part of those values are your employees, here's what good behavior looks like and here's what you should be doing to invest in that. And, and so I think we need to change our approach. Um, I think part of what we're willing to do is become more involved in that and, and lead those conversations. Part of our challenge is we have um, first-generation wealth in a lot of African families. How do we unlock that in a true philanthropic way that makes a difference, right? Um, a lot of us understand the wastage in our countries and and a good example is us saying, well, am I going to give another 10 rand to government to, to squander? You know, I've seen them squander everything else. Why, why are you asking me to do this? Right. But if I can show them concrete ways and examples of how it's worked and how well it's worked, that encourages others to, to think upon the same lines. And so we've, we've launched um, an exciting and, and please Look out for it, all of those who listen to your podcast in South Africa. We've lost an exciting partnership with Discovery and Vitality. And, and this is the, a big medical aid that's coming into Africa and is in South Africa. And, 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 and for us, it's a business imperative for them, right? But we can scale up that initiative to bring the right messages to the right places at the right time. And so I think it's an exciting opportunity for us that we want to expand more and use them to actually get their customers to, to be investing in the, in the protection of the staff and, and, and their employees and their families. It's not a costly exercise. 
It's something that can be done very easily, but it stimulates domestic resource in a very different way. Some of what I'm posing to a lot of the commodity companies is where's the private sector um, products, but at the same or similar pricing to what public health pays. Don't make me pay 50 rand for something that you're selling at 20 cents in public health. Guys, come on, we, we need a different approach. So those are some of the messages that, we, that, that we're trying to get out there. I think that we need to make it global and we need, we need to make it cross countries. And, and if we can do that with the right people and, and what you're talking about, putting the right people together, I think we can have a huge impact on the continent. So I'm, I'm all for that. I'm all for building these relationships that are not just transactional. Let's build it to, to get to zero. I, I must tell you, I, I, with all the challenges we face, I've never been more optimistic that we can achieve zero malaria um, in our lifetime. Oh, wow. Okay, great. This is really a wonderful way of uh, ending our conversation. The, I always finish... Um, the discussion with uh, something positive, and I think that's where you're going. So, uh, what gives you hope in life? Like, what makes you wake up and you smile and you, you keep going every day? No, knowing that I can make a difference to someone who will never ever know who I am, I think that that certainly inspires me. But it also inspires me that um, you know I have the opportunity with where I sit to really have a big impact for the poorest of the poor who have no voice in these arenas. And that for me is, is very important. Mm, that's, that's great to hear. Last week, um, I was part of other things that I do. I work with refugees and trying to support people in, in uh, vulnerable uh, places. And we were talking mainly about Ubuntu, the philosophy of Ubuntu, uh, which you would know in South Africa. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, and I think that's that's really what you represent, trying to help people, not um, waiting for them to know what you're doing for them, but you're doing it because you have it in your heart. Well, Sherwin, uh, Charles, thank you. Thank you very much for the work you're doing, for your passion, uh, and certainly I'll do everything I can to have you on board when, when we start <laughs> this think tank. I know you're very busy. But I'm, I'm glad you were even generous today to give me uh, this time to, to discuss with you. Yeah, and Silas, thank you so much for thinking of me. Um, um, thank you very much for, for hosting me on your podcast. Um, and I look forward to doing lots more. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was Sherwin Charles co-founder and CEO of Goodbye Malaria. I hope you enjoyed this episode and please consider following this podcast on your favorite podcast player on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Malaria Politics. As 2023 winds down, I want to take this opportunity to wish you a wonderful Christmas. May light shine in the darkness and may we enter 2024 with more passion to be good and do good. Until we chat again in the new year, love mercy, act justly, and walk humbly. <laughs>